Well, greetings, imagination connoisseurs. Once again, it is I, your Duke of Dope Discourse, your master of fun and wonder, your viceroy of verisimilitude, or as John Campia calls me, your existential Mr. Rogers. That's right, me, Robert Meyer Burnett, and this is the John Campia Show Mailbag for Wednesday, March 16th, 2022. And we're just going to jump right into it and see what you lovely people have to say. We start with Jay Bling. Jay Bling says, oh, my favorite actor, my favorite William Hurt moment is from a history of violence. How do you fuck that up? That line combined with his delivery of it has become my mantra <laughs> for any movie <laughs> that fails to live up to its most basic potential and expectations. Jay, uh, you've now added something new to my lexicon. <laughs> How do you fuck that up? I, I love that. And you're right. Rest in peace, William Hurt. And if you've never seen it, might I suggest all of you uh, check out the film Altered States. That was the first William Hurt movie that uh, I ever saw, and it's amazing. Carlitos19 says... So why isn't anyone talking about Sean Levy saying he will have Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman together somehow? And he was just pretty much denounced as the director for Deadpool 3. To me, that's the perfect time. Wouldn't you all say, hmm, love y'all. Carlitos, you're not wrong. But you know what? I don't want to get my hopes up. To be honest, I mean, obviously, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman have a long-standing relationship and... I'm sure we would all love it if they did team up. Who wouldn't want to see that? I know I would. So I guess, you know, fingers crossed, I'd love to see it. I think it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. Like, I don't necessarily expect to see Wolverine team up with him the way Cable teamed up with him at Deadpool 2. But you know what? As John said today on the show, I wouldn't put anything past anybody. <laughs> I just wouldn't. Anonymous sends in a tip and says hi john and crew question which was a bigger surprise in your opinion dora and the lost city of gold ending up being fairly decent or assassin's creed turning up bad you know what i have more faith in family films i guess i just don't judge them as harshly um i i was not a fan of assassin's creed i i didn't i mean i get what they're trying to do but i'm kind of like eh eh I didn't quite understand it. I'm like, how do you mess that up? And I, I can't really, I mean, all, all of the elements were there, but it just didn't work the way I thought an Assassin's Creed movie should have worked. But, you know, it doesn't surprise me that a, a movie aimed more at, at family audiences worked better. So that didn't, that was not something that uh, surprised me. Um, Hoopsuni, Hoopsuni, one of two. Hey, John and crew, I find that my tastes and opinions usually line up with the majority. So this weekend, I sat down to watch Turning Red and The Atom Project, and I must say, I did not enjoy either of them. Reynolds' chemistry with the young kid was a highlight, but the rest of the movie didn't grab me. For Turning Red, the animation was amazing, but the story in some parts have been done much better in other Pixar films. Neither were bad, but just average. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood for these. Well, Hoop Sunni, 
you know what? Sometimes movies just don't strike you the way they strike other people. I, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with that. And look, to be honest, I would say that both Seeing Red and The Atom Project have elements of other movies. Maybe you might consider them other better movies, but that doesn't necessarily mean uh, you're wrong. And not everybody, uh, different strokes for different folks. I don't think you should feel bad about it. I would say yes, like, you know, uh, when I watched The Atom Project, I enjoyed it, but there were certainly elements of it that I recognized from other movies. And I look at it this way. Every time you've seen a film and it reminds you of something else, especially myself, I mean, I'm an old man, but so I've seen a lot of movies and I, I, I love movies. And I, though, having seen so many films, you know, a lot of films are derivative. We've said that The Atom Project, I don't even know why, maybe this isn't a great comparison, but, but to me, it reminded me a little bit. It had like a Last Starfighter vibe. The Last Starfighter came out in 1984. There's no reason that anybody in almost the last four decades should necessarily have seen The Last Starfighter, but it definitely reminded me of that. So there are always going to be people that seeing Red and, and The Atom Project are going to be their first experience with these things. So I don't think, never feel bad about your opinion. And if something doesn't work for you, remember, as John always says, movies are subjective. At least they're subjective to you, the viewer. So never feel bad about that. Sometimes things just don't work. Hey guys, we want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of this video, Athletic Greens. Now, I started taking Athletic Greens because I don't eat enough vegetables, and I was looking for a way to make up for that deficit in my diet of those vitamins and minerals that I really needed in my system, and thank goodness I found Athletic Greens, and I literally take it every morning. You see, with one scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptive to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, all the things. And my wife got onto it and now she absolutely loves it. You know, tons of people take some kind of multivitamin and it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb like Athletic Greens. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash campia. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash campia to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Uh, Reamer Bulldog sends in a tip and says, I just rewatched Captain America Civil War and Avengers Infinity War, and both are great movies, and I love both of them, but Captain America Civil War... What is the best, is the best MCU movie they've ever made, in my opinion. You know, uh, I think Civil War is great. I might have liked Winter Soldier better, but I have to tell you, Infinity War as well. I mean, think about the track record. I'm of the opinion that most Marvel movies are good to great. And those films, I mean, my God, how great is it that we get those kinds of uh, movies? I mean, amazing, right? Totally amazing. Great, great, great stuff. 
but I don't necessarily think you're wrong. Um, Reamer Bulldog goes on to say, Captain America Civil War is the greatest comic book movie I've ever seen, and the airport battle is the best action sequence I've ever seen in a comic book movie. Well, Reamer Bulldog, you know what? I mean, that sequence is obviously, it's undeniable. And as far as for this lifelong comic book fan, it's always a trope that superheroes that would normally be like teamed up against each other always end up fighting first before they realize, why are we fighting? But the fact that it was a family squabble and that whole battle, I mean, I don't, I, I watched that sequence. First of all, I, I marvel at the effects work, but it is definitely, I mean, just in terms of sheer enjoyment factor, I feel like I felt when I was like eight years old playing with my old Mego superhero figures when they would all get in giant fights. I mean, it was, it's like the greatest example of that ever. And you're not wrong. I mean, who doesn't love it? I certainly do. Um, David27 sends in a tip and says, Hey, John and Rob. Well, hello. I'm super excited for Moon Knight. Have I told you I'm, I'm excited too? Uh, I'm super excited for Moon Knight. Uh, even though I'm not that familiar with the character, but I think it's a great idea that they're starting from the first episode with him already having the Moon Knight persona. What are your thoughts? Well, David, I have many thoughts. Um, most people aren't familiar with Moon Knight. I mean, many people know that I have a unbounded love, unrestrained affection for uh, Moon Knight, and I'm looking very forward to it. But for me, it's going to be interesting because Moon Knight's had so many different iterations throughout uh, his, I mean, he was introduced in Werewolf, the pages of Werewolf by Night in 1975. So he's been around for quite some time. Um, he's been around for, what does that make it? 48 years? He's been around for 48 years as a character. But he doesn't have the defining storylines. I think lately when they gave him uh, disassociative identity disorder, he became more familiar to people because those runs were a little, they were crazy and they were a lot of fun. And I think, I think Moon Knight throughout his run, throughout the, the character has always been searching for some kind of a real identity. Um, and I think that this show might define Moon Knight, well, pretty much forever. So I think you're right. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it all uh, shakes out. So I'm, I'm really curious. Uh, I, I mean, I'm deliriously excited for this. But I think you're right. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty cool to see how it all winds up. And I hope it's good. Fingers crossed. Flick sends in a tip. Hey, John, this weekend I saw that Arcane became the first series, series to win nine Annies for one season at the Annie Awards in its 49-year history. I really hope the general public gives more animated shows a chance like this one. Well-deserved. Still seems underrated. Well, John has said it's the best animated show he's ever seen. I would go so far as to say it's definitely up there for me. It's an incredible show on every level. I mean, kudos to everyone involved with it. It's amazing. And I think I don't, you know, it's, it's when you see this kind of excellence and it, it receives uh, the recognition it deserves. I love to see that. And I, I, I think you're absolutely right. It's very cool. Uh, I don't think anyone would argue it. Well, it's, uh, it's overrated. I don't think so. Uh, what a great show. I'm glad you dug it, Flick. Gummy Bear. You want to know? Okay, since you call yourself Gummy Bear, to be honest, these are never far away. But since you called yourself Gummy Bear, can I just, can I just, I mean, I don't, 
I only ate uh, eat Haribo gummy bears. I love them, but I I know I know it's this anniversary limited time. But they've got these blue party hats inside the gold bears. I mean, it's not like it's not like I don't like change, but I don't like change, and I don't blue is a different flavor. It's pretty good to be honest. But you know, I like to to be honest, I like to squish the gummy bears together two at a time and like kind of in a 69 position stick them between my teeth and like grind on them i can't do that with the party hat you can't i don't know these are the things that i think about but since your name's gummy bear i'm taking this opportunity to you know tell you a little bit about myself gummy bear goes on to say hi john i just saw news from a variety uh, uh news from variety there's an upcoming zombie film called chung king mansions directed by Bazan M. Tong. I'm very interested in this, but not familiar with the director. Do you know more about him? Thanks. Gummy Bear, since you and I feel are simpatico in some certain way, I have to say, I don't know anything about this director. But Chung King Mansions, I'm already in. If you haven't, uh, see Wong Kar Wai's Chung King Express and its companion film, Fallen Angels. Don't know what that has to do with Chung King Mansions, but uh, it's the only other movie I know that starts with Chung King in the title. And Quentin Tarantino actually brought that film to America. That was the first time I ever saw Wong Kar Wai's movies when he had his Rolling Thunder release, uh, releasing uh, distribution company through Miramax. But I don't know anything about him, but I'll tell you, if it's a zombie movie, to be honest, I'll watch it. Uh, uh, Ganulo? Ganu, let's see, hang on, let me see if I can do this. Canillo? Is it Canillo? Or uh, I, Ganulo, it's Ganillo or Ganulo. I apologize for butchering your name. It's a cool name though. Part one sends in a $20 tip. Hey John, kudos to you and the whole crew. The show's been on fire lately. A special shout out to the lovely and amazing Chris Carr. So glad she's back. Keep up the great work. Also stayed up to 3 a.m. last night to finally see the flawed masterpiece, Spider-Man No Way Home. So much good, but the whole great responsibility is to protect murderous thug scenes were awful. Reminded me of your recent Dark Knight discussion. Like the fairy scene, it took me out of the movie. You know what? I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I understand where Peter was coming from. The only, the only, the only defense that I would give it is remember that our Peter Parker doesn't know to what extent these guys have committed heinous, villainous acts so that's 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 the only thing that i would i would say but um you know I, I i completely understand where you're coming from and how it took you out of it i i totally get it i i don't blame you for that and i don't think you're necessarily wrong but because it kind of was a little bit of cringe because it's like come on dude these these are villainous people and look what ends up happening so it's a little contrived but i mean i understand it our Peter Parker doesn't realize the extent that he's in jeopardy. So that's that's what I would say about that. Oh, part three. Part three, he goes on to say, uh, Ganilo, or Ganilo, I'm, I'm sorry I'm getting your name wrong. I apologize. But I want to, first of all, thank you for, thank you for supporting the channel in this way. It means a lot. The end of Spider-Man was also reminiscent of The Dark Knight in a good way. Peter's sacrifice of isolation reminded me of Batman's and Gordon's final speech. They'll send the dogs after him because he can take it. Dude, totally right. I completely agree with you. 
I felt that way. And, you know, to me, uh, a true hero makes those kinds of sacrifices. And I, I completely agree with you. It absolutely was like the end of the Dark Knight. You know, Peter's all alone. And when he goes in to see, to see Ned and, and um, MJ and they don't recognize him, I mean, come on, dude. That is heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. So I am with you 100%. I think it's very astute. And uh, I agree. Mark Nadau or Nedow says, weird that Sean Levy said he wants to work with both Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman, all the while getting the Deadpool 3 directorial nod. Coincidence? Good old speculation. Bring on the filthy. Well, I mean, I think perhaps that wasn't, um, that wasn't a mistake. You know, you're bringing on, you're bringing on the, uh, bringing on this for everybody to love, which, you know, I think is actually very, very cool. And imagine, don't we all want it? We all want to see that. <laughs> we all really do. <laughs> I mean, I know I do. And you know what? I think Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds do too. <laughs> uh, GQ Pleasure. <laughs> GQ Pleasure sends in a tip, one of two. Greetings, John and Rob. Reaching out to say hello and let you in on some live events I will be attending this year. April 2nd. The Force Awakens live in concert. May 14th, Return of the Jedi. May 15th, The Empire Strikes Back. That's my birthday, by the way. Um, and June 24th, Jurassic Park. Jiku Pleasure goes on to say, I will also be attending the New York Comic Con in October. I share the same love of movie scores on that Spotify. I have five playlists each with 10,000 tracks from multiple soundtracks. Keep up the good work and bring on the filthy. Well... I'll tell you, GQ Pleasure, I too am a huge soundtrack guy, big soundtrack collector. I have a, a Spotify playlist called Soundtracking into the Solar Winds. So it's a very eclectic mix of both music songs from movies and also music score mixed together. Now that I've told you what mine is, show me what your playlists are because I would love to hear... Um, I'd love to hear your playlist. I love listening to people's soundtrack playlists. So contact me on Twitter, Burnett RM. Slide into my DMs and hit me a link. Give me a link to your Spotify playlist. And are you, because you're going to New York Comic Con, are you in the New York area? Because I'd be curious, are these um, are these events you're going to in the New York, in the greater New York area or New York State? Uh, GQ Pleasure, Pleasure goes on to say, I wanted to let you guys know that I'm also a collector. I oh, I wanted to let you guys know that I'm also a collector, and I'm in the process of purchasing the Tumblr from the Dark Knight by Hot Toys and the Batpod. I have the Batpod. I sold my Tumblr. I'm getting another one. It is awesome. You're gonna love it. Also, waiting for the Batmobile from the Batman to go on pre-order so it can be part of my collection. Hey man, if you get the Jazz Inc., if you get the Queen Studios, or you get the um, Hot Toys one. I can't wait to get that. I'm also getting the 66 Batmobile. And I have the 89 Batmobile, the Hot Toys 89 Batmobile already. Which I'm sure they'll probably re-release for The Flash. Call me crazy. But Hot Toys knows what they're doing. Uh, Nick Soto says, Hi John. So I've been drinking Zevia and I love it. My birthday was last weekend and I was mixing it with Jameson. Thanks Rob. <laughs> okay, listen. I, you know, always drink responsibly. How great is Zevia mixed with Jameson? You brought it up, and my friends kept asking what it was. I was in South Texas and said it was a vegan soda. 
So they just rolled their eyes, laugh out loud, not popular there. Yeah, but you know what? I'll tell you. Um, it is, you know, if you want to stay in, I love fizzy drinks. Like I love, I love Pellegrino. Like I could just drink. I know it's probably not the best thing in the world for you, but I, I love Zevia. I think it's really good. And I wouldn't have started drinking it unless John turned me on to it. I'm like, what is that? But it's surprisingly good. Um, this is not Zevia, but, uh, it's really good. And I've, I've been, I've tried all their flavors. I got, I'm rocking some cream soda right now. Not here, not right in a second, but I've got cream, cream soda right below me. And I've got uh, their creamy root beer is amazing too. So come on, tell, just tell people to try it. The proof is in the pudding. So Nick Soto. All right. Uh, prisoner 24601 says, hey, Campia family, did you catch the scene in the Batman where the penguin kind of waddled like a penguin? It was right after he spoke to Batman and Gordon and had restraints on his legs and handcuffs. I thought it was a cool, subtle shout out to the character. Dude, I totally caught that. And I was looking for it the second time I saw it. And I was like, yep, that is so intended to make him that completely a penguin waddle. 100%. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Miles. Miles sends in a tip and says, with the new Puss in Boots 2 trailer out, I have a theory. What if this movie is a reboot and not a sequel with the new art style and is setting up a new Shrek cinematic universe and we'll get our first look at Shrek and Donkey in this movie? Hmm. That could be. I mean, maybe maybe the new the new Mike, My Mike Myers series is just the beginning of his four-way four -way back into uh into uh, uh uh movies that could be sly i mean with the way things are going now I, I i wouldn't put it past anybody to do anything i think it could be that's i wouldn't surprise me getting eddie murphy and getting uh mike myers back come on love it uh rubis blackberry sends in a tip and says i see that the early reviews for everything everywhere all at once are overwhelmingly positive I love Michelle Yeoh and trippy sci-fi films, so I'm all over this. Me too. I don't care about reviews, but the fact that they're positive is a bonus. Thoughts? Well, Rubus, I'm with you 100%. First of all, I love Michelle Yeoh. I've loved her for a long, long time. I mean, let's not forget, she's also a Bond girl back in Tomorrow Never Dies. I mean, I love her. I know she's Emperor. The one thing I love about Star Trek Discovery is she, as Emperor George Al, the leader of the Mirror Universe, uh, if they make a 12-inch figure of her, a six-scale figure, I'll actually buy that. That'll be the one Discovery thing I will buy. Very exciting. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I, I'm all... I, that trailer is incredible. So, it's really... It's great to hear uh, that it's a great movie. So, I'm very excited about it. David Nish says, Rob, have you ever seen The Orville yet? Of course. It's the Seth MacFarlane parody series of Star Trek, but it's really good in my opinion. It seriously has some really emotional episodes and feels like great classic Star Trek. So I wanted to know your thoughts about it. Ooh, David, that's a good question. Um, obviously, I've watched both seasons of The Orville. I quite like it. It's definitely a riff on Next Generation. I think sometimes the, the episodes get a little too personal, too wrapped up in the characters' personal lives, and it could use a little bit more. It's almost like a workplace comedy sometimes but i've really liked it i really like all the characters i think there's a lot of humanity in it and um, i really enjoy the chemistry and i like the design of it all i like how i mean star trek has go has become so dark and dystopian i'm like eh, 
eh, I don't know. But uh, I'm a big fan. Big fan of the Orville. Looking forward, very forward to season three, which I think drops like the first week of June. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I've actually met Seth MacFarlane before. He's a, he's a great guy. He did some work for me on the Star Trek The Next Generation uh, documentaries we did for the Blu-rays. He's on season three. Actually, he's on. He's, we interviewed him, and then he hosted the writer's reunion, so it's really cool. Uh, McKinley Woodson uh, says, I loved Shazam in 2019. I'm excited about the film coming in December. When do you think we'll get a trailer? Do you think we will get a full press tour from Zach and the new big stars with this shift in releasing the film? I appreciate you, John. Um, look, I think my dog Tallulah is out there barking, if you can hear her. I think um, the new Shazam film is going to get a big push. Uh, I think you know, I think Shazam is one of those movies. It probably didn't do as well as the box at at the box office as they would have hoped, but I think it's one of those movies that people have had a chance to catch up with, and probably it's a lot more beloved now than even when it came out. So I think they're probably going to do a real big push for the film, especially if it's tied in as it is with Black Adam, and we're going to see Shazam first. You know, well, I mean, we're going to see it before. Actually, we're not going to see it before. We're going to Black Adam still coming out first. But I think with that tie-in, we're going to see a lot of synergy in terms of promotion and things like that. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm stoked. I mean, I've always loved. To me, the character's name is Captain Marvel. <laughs> I know he says Shazam, and I there is a Captain Marvel, and there was a whole lawsuit. But to me, it'll all he'll always be Captain Marvel, and his family is the Marvel family. So I'm a huge fan, and I uh, can't wait. And I hope this time Hot Toys makes a figure of Zachary Levi because it's great. So I think um, we'll probably get a full press tour. I really do. Um, Tony the Tiger sends in a tip and says, I just watched the trailer for Amazon Prime's upcoming show, Outer Range, starring Josh, Josh, Josh Brolin. Uh, at, at first glance, it looks like a supernatural version of Yellowstone, and I'm all in on that. What are your thoughts, and have you seen the first trailer? I watched that trailer a couple days ago, and I'm like, what is this? And even after watching the trailer, I'm like, I don't know, but I'm totally there for it. It looks really, really good. And yeah, does it, is it, is it supernatural? Is it, I mean, they've got like that insignia that, but is that branding because they're cattle ranchers? I was like, what is, I don't know. I, I don't know, but I am in Tony the Tiger. Hopefully, as you say, it'll be great. Let's hope so. Look good to me. Monkey boy, monkey boy says, hi, John. There have been reports for years of Jaden Smith playing the live action static shock. And I personally believe that this would be a great role to see him in. Seeing as his dad has worked with DC, do you think this may have been the role he meant? Um, huh. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know. I thought, I thought he mentioned Marvel. I mean, static shocks, obviously DC. Whereas we were talking about Jane uh, being uh, Miles Morales, which is Marvel. I don't know. I, I didn't think of that. But maybe. I think he'd be perfectly cast as Static Shock if they wanted to put him in that role. Um, I really like those comics. As I said the other day, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Milestone uh, universe. So I would love to see a Static Shock movie or series um, like that. So I, he could. I mean, it's like we say nowadays anything is possible uh orange hand sends in a 
a tip and says, back in my first and only year of university between 2009 and 2010 for an acting class, I went to see a play at the Globe Theater in my hometown of, is it Regina, Saskatchewan, called the Alice Nocturne, which had an actor named Daniel Maslany, the brother of our upcoming Shield. Is that true? Like Tatiana? That's cool. Uh, but Orange Hand, now I have to ask you, only one year of university, no judgment here, but I hope something bad didn't happen. I hope it was all voluntary and everything worked out, but that's pretty cool. Um, that's really neat. Was he a good actor? I hope he was good. I hope he did well. Devon White says, Darth Maul works in Obi-Wan episode four, Vader and Tarkin. Thought Obi-Wan was dead. We assume they had no contact since episode three, but if Obi-Wan is off Tatooine and meets Vader and Maul and he and he falls down a shaft, then it doesn't break canon if it's 10 years before epilo uh, episode four, they think he's dead. Uh, well, Devon, that could be. Uh, you know, that absolutely could be. I mean, everyone's talking about this. Like, well, when I left you, I was, when I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Only a master of evil, Darth. Well, I mean, to me, I, I, it, that's a very vague thing to say. When I left you, I, I mean, I was but the learner. Maybe, maybe Vader still thinks he's learning. Who knows? I mean, I don't know why he said that turn of phrase. I don't, I think what you're saying is it, it's not a bad idea. We don't know how it's all going to play out. I mean, hopefully it'll all be good. I want it to be good. Um, but we'll have to see. Uh, I think it's uh, it, it probably... I, look, I'm excited either way. I think everybody is excited. I hope the Obi-Wan series really gives us everything we've wanted to. Or everything we want it to be. Because if it doesn't, we're going to be all bummed out. But, you know, I, I have to say, to be honest, it does bum me out that we're all we're revisiting all of these wells like all the time let's let's go back and talk about this or i'd love to see new stuff i mean it's i'm really excited to see ewan mcgregor come come back as obi-wan because george lucas cast him as a young obi-wan kenobi so that it, it feels the obi-wan series feels like there's like an authenticity there if that makes any sense so i'm there for it i hope it works Anonymous sends in a tip and says, I rewatched No Way Home and I've decided it's overhyped. Into the Spider-Verse did everything better and that's even with No Way Home using story elements directly from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I rank it at best fifth amongst Spidey movies. What say you? What say you all? And bring on the filthy. Well, Anonymous, you know, I think everything works differently for other people. I... I I would say that you're not wrong. I mean, Into the Spider-Verse, I think, handled all of those spider people coming together with a little uh, more of a deft touch. But then again, it lent itself more to animation. Bringing all the villains and bringing the other Spider-Men together was not an easy feat. So, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call it overrated in the sense that to me, the fact that they were able to get all those actors together and be in a movie that was reasonably coherent was a feat unto itself. But, uh, again, um, watching it again, look, I always feel that you have to see a movie a couple of times to really allow the movie to hit you on its own terms because the first time you see it, you're bringing in your expectations. There might be things that, you know, that, that 
the hype of it all and the newness of it all you, you thinks things you you're forgiving but when you really sit down and analyze a film you can definitely change your perception so i i've only seen the film once so i'll be very curious i'm buying of course the 4k steelbook i'll be very curious to see if i feel uh the way you do we shall see um milo murphy one of five. Oh no uh-oh milo i feel bad about this milo says i'm sending this message in again because last time it got answered by rob no offense to rob it's just that i want to hear john's response when i send in a message specifically intended for john it's kind of disappointing when John doesn't see it. So if John isn't there, can you please either call him? Yeah, you know what? I will. I'll call him. I'll call him. I'll get him on the phone right now. I'm going to call him. Why not? You deserve that. <clears throat> Hopefully he'll pick up. Here we go. John? Yes. I have a question I have to ask you. Yes. Sure. This comes from Milo Murphy. It's one of five. Okay. He says, I'm sending this message in again because the last time it got answered by Rob. No offense to Rob. It's just that I want to hear John's response. And when I send in a message specifically intended for John, it's kind of disappointing when John doesn't see it. So if John isn't there, can you please either call him? Or maybe just save the message for him to respond to at a different time or something. Of course, now that I sent it in or sent in two extra messages explaining this, John will be the one that reads it. I don't see any reason why Sony can't continue to make Tom Holland movies in the MCU and also have their own Andrew Garfield movies in the Venom universe. Well, Milo, you and I think alike. Every Spider-Man fan saw No Way Home. They understand that there are multiple different versions of Spider-Man in different universes. Why not have two of them star in separate movie franchises at the same time? The Tom Holland movies are going to continue to be successful just because they're in the MCU and because of how amazing they are. But tons of people love Andrew Garfield, so The Amazing Spider-Man 3 would also be really successful and it would just bring even more success to Sony's other movies like Venom, Morbius, Craven, etc. What do you think, John? Okay, so there you have to look at it. There are two different ways of looking at it. One is from the fan's perspective, and one is from the studio's perspective. From the fan's perspective, yeah, everything you just said was true, but not entirely realistic. So here's the thing. The studios aren't interested in investing money in things if somebody else is doing the exact same thing. So if Marvel, the reason Marvel doesn't have any interest in, in investing money and in making live action Spider-Man films, if they're going to invest all that money, energy, effort, resources into making a Spider-Man movie, they want their Spider-Man to be the Spider-Man. Sony is the same thing. I mean, if you're going to make Spider-Man movies, you want to be what you don't want to have happen if you're Marvel or Sony is having to have your Spider-Man movie compete against another live action Spider-Man movie. Because part of the reality, too, is 
is that we as a fandom can be a pretty toxic, terrible, terrible place. <laughs> yes, we can. Time. And what will happen and what Kevin Feige knows will happen and what the folks at Sony know will happen is that the fans will determine which one of the two Spider-Man franchises better and label the other one as sucking. Uh, that's just what we as fans do. Uh, if you don't realize that, you haven't been around the fandom a long time because that is what we do. But that really the most important part, though, is is that when you pay for the rights to something and you buy something and you whatever, you want to be the one doing the show. Here's a great example. I used to be involved in concert promotion a little bit. And when a venue would sign for a performer to come and perform at their stadium, you know, a concert promoter will pay a lot of money for an act to come and perform at their venue. They will put in the contract a clause that says that performer cannot or will not perform in another venue within X number of miles within X number of days because they don't want like if, if they're going to put up the money to say I don't know uh, let's go back a whole a whole bunch of years to put on a George Michael concert right mm-hmm. then you don't want somebody else to be able to buy tickets just to go to another George Michael concert a week later just 50 miles away because you're putting up a lot of money and resources and expenses of doing that. Now, that's an oversimplification, the way I'm saying that. Sure. But, yeah, the basic line is that studios don't want to have to be making... When, when you're making a Spider-Man movie, you want your Spider-Man to be the Spider-Man. And uh, I, I think trying to do it two different times in two different ways in two different studios becomes counterproductive. Well, John, that's a fantastic answer, and I think Milo Murphy doesn't have to be disappointed by me anymore. <laughs> I'm glad that I was able to answer his question. I'm glad you picked up. Well, thank you, sir. I will get you these uh, this mailbag shortly. All right, thanks. All right, man. Bye-bye. Well, Milo, come on. I can make dreams happen. Just give me a chance. Shy Potsy <laughs> says, hey, John and Rob, I hope this message finds you well and that you're having a great day. I am. I have a theory and a question in regards to the future of the MCU. We are at a crossroads of sorts with the MCU going in multiple different directions. Whether cosmic, supernatural, and even street-level heroes and threats, characters like Moon Knight, Shang-Chi, Blade, Daredevil, and more relating characters are sure to dominate much of the future of the MCU. With that being said, my theory is how, in my opinion, Phase 4 can be wrapped up nicely while also providing a good lead into Phase 5. As of now, if the MCU continues their current pattern of when phases end, it would lead to the Fantastic Four reboot being the last film of Phase 4. I agree with that, by the way. Directly following Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, uh, which would put it, uh, it which would in and of itself be a perfect one-two punch, in my opinion, to end Phase 4 due to the connection the Fantastic Four have had with the Ant-Man character. After that, to begin Phase 5, I am hoping we are treated by solo stories for many of the characters I mentioned above. I have loved the Disney Plus shows. However, I can't deny I always prefer the experience of a full theatrical release. If this is the case, and we start getting introduced to many new supernatural and street-level heroes, I think it would be a good idea to say that heroes like Daredevil and Punisher are just now coming into their vigilante hero personas due to an increase in crime caused by people doing anything it takes to get over the hardship the blip caused. Kind of similar to the Hawkeye Ronin story point used in Hawkeye and the end of Avengers Endgame. 
In your opinion, is this a probable idea? And also, do you see a connection between the Fantastic Four and these street-level supernatural heroes that will draw the bridge between Phase 4 and Phase 5? Thank you for taking the time to read my messages and keep up the great work. Well, Shai Potsy, first of all, thanks for supporting the channel in this very generous way. Very much appreciated. First of all, it's a really... Um, you bring up a lot of interesting things. Like, for me personally... After watching The Eternals, I've talked a lot about on my own channel and on this channel a little bit about the cosmology of it all. Like, what does it mean when Ereshem the Judge, we still don't know, did other people see Ereshem the Judge? It was my opinion that they did. And what is, how does humanity respond? I mean, after being blipped and then you see a celestial and then a celestial's coming out of the water, the people of Earth have to have the zap put on their heads like, oh my God, what universe, uh, uh, you know, 10 years ago, or 13 years ago, there were no Avengers or whatever. We didn't know anything. And now look where we're at. Thanos is blipping people for five years. Celestials are coming out of the middle of the earth, which could have cracked the earth open. It would have been the end of the world for all of us. And now you're going to add supernatural elements and then pay maybe the mutant element. Who knows what's going to happen? So it's a really interesting place for the, the MCU to be in because we as comic book fans in our own minds, we've had all of this stuff coexisting I mean, I've been reading comic books since I was a little kid. And when I was a little kid, I loved Ghost Rider, you know, and Ghost Rider has been around for a long time. So I, it's a really interesting observation you're making. I mean, what happens to the world when mutants, when celestials, when vampires, if they're revealed and they start running around? It's a tough question. I think, though, and, and, and John and I have often talked about how they, the MCU might... Or there's a possibility it could collapse, you know, under its own weight. Um, so it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I agree with you, though. I think that Phase 4 uh, will, in fact, introduce... The end of Phase 4 will introduce the Fantastic Four. I mean, wouldn't it kind of have to? Uh, hang on, I'm just saying... Uh, okay. Uh so, um, where was I? Oh, so I think that Phase 4 is absolutely going to end with the Fantastic Four being introduced, as it should, because it is, it'll be always known forever as the Fantastic Phase 4, or the fa Phase Fantastic Four. I think the Fantastic Phase 4 will be what it, it'll be. Because, you know, to me, uh, the loss of, of Tony Stark and Captain America, and then the addition of, of the Fantastic Four Marvel's first family, we're going to have characters like Reed Richards, and if rumors are to be believed that Namor is going to be in Wakanda... Uh, kind of forever. I mean, who knows? But, you know, I don't know. Like, I love Daredevil, and I would love to see the street-level characters. I love a Moon Knight movie, but we're getting a Moon Knight series, which is the next best thing. We've had a Daredevil series. I don't know if we would ever get feature films about these characters. I could see them being in other movies or Moon Knight offering support in an Avengers film or even a West Coast Avengers film. But um, I, I do think that you have... There's something... You have touched on something really interesting, that the the phase four to phase five drawbridge is going to be the supernatural. It's going to be Kang. I think the variants, I think it's all phase four and phase five are probably going to lead up to what I would assume would be the next Avengers movie or in whatever permutation they that takes. Probably I could see it leading up to Avengers Secret War or Secret Wars or something like that. But you're, I think you're right. I think that the end of Phase 4 is going to launch... The cosmology of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to change. Meaning, 
<laughs> we've got celestials on one hand, we got monsters on the other. The supernatural is real. It's been real. It's just most of us haven't known that. So it's going to be a really interesting transition. But I think your theory is a good one. I think that everything that's happening in phase four will will then lead to kind of a bifurcation sort of where we'll have the superhero action, but then we're gonna have we're gonna get supernatural stuff and more cosmic stuff and it's it's gonna be really I I, I don't know where it's all gonna go, but I think it's gonna be cool. I'm totally there for it. So Shy Potsy, it's interesting speculation. Uh Griffin says, hey, John Rob, I just rewatched one of my favorite movies, Warrior. In a movie with Tom Hardy and Nick Nolte, this movie opened up my eyes to the talent of Joe Edgerton. In a movie that is based off the UFC, the family dynamics make it shine. Thoughts? You know what? Obviously, I don't know much about the UFC like John does, but I loved Warrior. I mean, the whole, again, I love sports movies. And the whole idea about, uh, it, it, there's, there's it, it, it's almost like Warrior conjures up not just the name of a fighter but the code of the bushido bushido that the, the samurai followed or anyone viking warriors i mean war the word warrior conjures up images of of of, of honor and blood and sweat throughout history and seeing it embodied in 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 this milieu i i, I love it man i warriors i i have my own warrior on blu-ray it's a fantastic movie. I love it so much. And Joe Edgerton, Joel, Joe, Joel Edgerton knocked it out of the park. He's a great actor. He's also a very talented director as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan, Griffin. And Warrior kicks major ass. Love it. Uh, Chloe Fanning, how are you? The nostalgia factor with the original Star Wars and early Star Trek holding a tremendous nostalgia factor for that generation growing up watching it. Will the new movies and shows of today hold up to the same nostalgia factor for a new generation ahead? Chloe, that is a fantastic, fantastic question. To be honest with you, I don't necessarily think so. Um, because here's the thing. The reason that a lot of us feel a lot of nostalgia, if we grew up with these movies, there was never anything like Star Wars ever before. And so when it, I know for me, when it came out, it changed my childhood. Uh, it showed me what the possibility of film. I never thought that I would ever see anything like I saw in Star Wars. And for me, growing up watching the Star Trek TV series, when it made the transition to film, suddenly we went from the, the small screen to a gigantic, at the time, Star Trek The Motion Picture was one of the most expensive movies ever made. And it was glorious. I mean, I loved it. It blew my mind. It was amazing. And um, I think part of our, our strong nostalgia for these things is they kind of opened up our minds when we were growing up to the possibilities of what, what could be done in entertainment. And the newness of it all is part of why we loved it so much. And I think that every generation has something new. Unfortunately, as much as people still love Star Wars and Star Trek, it's not it's from generations past that new generations are inheriting and sure they'll always feel nostalgia about it but i think that 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 the the fans today will feel nostalgia about seeing the mcu for the first time or if you were alive in in 93 seeing jurassic park i know for me seeing photorealistic dinosaurs was amazing but it's the things that are new that sort of change your life that you remember and i think we didn't have video games like Red Dead Redemption 2 or The Last of Us or Ghost of Tsushima. And I think that those can be just as resonant 
to generations today as Star Wars was to generations back in the seventies and eighties when Star Wars was was new. So I think that the that if you were born, you know, in the last twenty years, you're going to be nostalgia. You you might have nostalgia for Star Trek and Star Wars certainly, but I think you're going to have nostalgia to things that were new to your generation, things that were unique and and showed up for the very first time. Then at least that's a that's a theory. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Uh, but that's kind of how the way I see it. So a film boss says, John, your argument for no Joaquin Pattinson movie is that 15 years separates them, but you're wrong. There's 40 Joker was set in the eighties while the Batman is set in 2021. There's a date on security footage in the film making Joker 85 years old. <laughs> well, film boss, I didn't know that, but you know what? I'm going to steal that reasoning and I think that pretty much slams the door on anyone who wants to see a Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. Love it. Um, well done, sir. Uh, Reamer Bulldog sends in a tip and says, part one. Hey, John and Rob, love the show. Hey, John, I completely agree with you that the comics are the comics and the MCU is the MCU. I'm already seeing people upset that they change, uh, that Marvel has to change Miss Marvel's powers. To me, I don't care because Marvel always changes things up from the comics so that to me, I have no issue, even though I'm not familiar with Miss Marvel. Whatever Marvel know, whatever Marvel does, I know it's for the right reasons. And my second question is about Moon Knight. Well, before I get into your second question, look, I think that these are adaptations and whenever anything is being adapted, um, uh, you, you have to make changes. And I think what they're also doing is they're, as long as the essence of the character is retained, and obviously they're putting the different uh, versions of Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, uh, and also Monica Rambeau is Captain Marvel as well, but she's been other things. Actually, so is, so, so is, so is Carol Danvers. So I think they're, they're, they're making changes and ad adapting it. And I, 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 I'm with you. I, I don't have any problem with that. I honestly... I really don't. Reamer Bulldog goes on to say, part three, and if Rob is there, hey, hey, uh, I would like his take on it because I'm seeing people complain that Moon Knight is not rated R, so he won't be as violent like he is in the comics, and I keep telling people, just look at the Batman R rating. It doesn't mean better. Uh, look, I'm with you there, and I have to tell you, you know, Moon Knight was, it, it became a direct sale only comic. It was sold on a spindle rack, like like at drugstores until it went direct sale only to the comic stores only and it, yes it got more violent but uh, you know it, it depends how violent violence is depicted i mean when you see the batman pattinson's batman beating up on dudes just because you're not seeing blood flying doesn't mean it's not brutal and visceral and to me you know it doesn't really matter what the rating of something is if the story's great. I mean, Jaws is rated PG. 2001 A Space Odyssey I Love is rated G. Star Trek The Motion Picture is rated G. I've honestly never paid much attention to ratings if the story's good. It's honestly, it's never, it's never been something that's been on my radar. So to me, tell me, if I get a great story well told, I think that's all that matters. And I'm deliriously excited for Moon Knight. It doesn't look like they're pulling any punches in terms of tone or what they're trying to do. I mean, I don't think that Moon Knight is going to be singing hymns uh, in church 
or maybe he will. I don't know, depending on, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think Moon Knight is going to be a kinder, gentler Moon Knight. I think we're going to get a kick-ass, hardcore Moon Knight. Um, and then Reamer Bulldog goes on to say, thank you, and bring on the filthy. Well, since you brought that up, I don't think that Moon Knight's going to necessarily bring on the filthy either, and nor should it. It doesn't have to. I mean, not that I would object because I'm a dirty old man, which is fine. But, I mean, I think, you know, it has to fit the tone of the story that's being told. And ultimately, the Batman sure didn't skimp on atmosphere or, I mean, that was a really dark film and it was dealing with themes. It, you could have made it R-rated by showing graphic sex and more violence, but would that have served the story? Would that have made it a better movie? I don't know. MD sends in a tip one of two hi john the star wars marvel being the only premium shows on disney plus kind of only applies to america as internationally we get shows like dope sick pam and tommy etc which i take as being premium too or would you say they're not on that note i pay 7.99 pounds which is about ten dollars and 49 cents for disney plus but i'm guessing it's more to have both disney and hulu in america so would they, one, combine it to align with their other markets and charge less for that or keep it separated so they can earn more money? MD, that's a really good question. I mean, obviously, we know you don't have Hulu, so we have Hulu over here. So it's two different services, and right now I'm sure they want us to pay for both. There's bundles as well. You can get bundles as well. I don't even know what I'm paying for Disney Plus because I, I, <laughs> I signed up for it and they just take my money every month. Don't know what's happening there, but... I think it's all going to eventually get bundled together. The thing is, in America, you know, we really do. Disney really is seen as only a family company. But that 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 perception is going to have to change because they've, you know, obviously they, they've acquired 20th Century Fox. I mean, if you think about it, the French Connection and Die Hard and Alien and so many other very, very much more adult fare are now part of it's part of the Disney family. So I think that having parental controls actually works kind of in Disney's favor. It's like, well, son, you're now, you've graduated, you're 13. You've graduated to, you're becoming a man. If you're Jewish, I was bar mitzvahed. So you're 13 now, I'm going to unlock the parental controls. <laughs> I mean, it could, um, but I think that um, keeping it separate now is probably something they want to do, but eventually... They're all going to have to be consolidated at some point, I think. I think that Disney Plus is going to be the main brand and that Hulu will go away. Because why not have everything under one roof? I mean, that's that's kind of how I would see it. But again, I don't know. Uh, Cleavy McFly says, hey, John and crew, just stopping by to say, loving what you guys do. And I enjoyed the episode of Movie Club yesterday regarding Django. Just FYI, if no one mentioned, they did turn... Uh, Django Zorro into a seven-issue comic written by Quentin, Tar Quentin Tarantino himself. Thanks and bring on the filthy. Yeah, we talked about it. You know what I don't think we mentioned is that Quentin Tarantino wrote it himself. Um, that's fantastic. And, you know, it's funny. I never got that comic. and I, They must have collected it into graphic novel form, right? By the way, thanks for thanks for uh, listening to that issue of Movie Club or that edition or that episode of Movie Club. I was kind of um, disappointed not, many, not more people listened to it. So I was glad you enjoyed it. I really love doing movie club. And, you know, unless we're doing the biggest movies in the world, sometimes we don't get the viewership or the, the listeners. And it kind of bums me out, to be honest. I, I like talking about less mainstream fare. You know, hopefully we could illuminate. I mean, it doesn't look like movie club is going to be the Hidden Gems show, unless we did an actual Hidden Gems episode where John and I pick a few 
uh, and talk about them, that might be worth doing. But um, I'm glad you watch it, and thanks for uh, enjoying Movie Club because it's so much fun to do. Old Donnie Boy is here and says, I love Movie Club, and I have to say that I've always seen Dr. King Schultz as a bit like Willy Wonka. I love that. Larger than life. Talks his way out of anything and always has that aura of mystery to him. Old Danny boy, I totally agree with you. King Schultz is like a total fantasy character. You don't know where he's been. You don't know what he's doing. He's always kind of one step ahead. I think, I think thinking about him as Willy Wonka, I love that idea. And I think you're, I think you're spot on with that. Spot on. Uh, absolutely. Well done. Yes, sir. I agree. And thanks for watching the episode. Murray Reich sends in a tip and says, I saw Turning Red at the AMC Empire 25 in New York City, where Tango Shalom opened. They were the only they were the only one theater that actually showed the movie, but for one week only. It was a great experience. Audiences laughing and cheering. Cute, heartwarming, funny film. Well, Murray, how great is it you got to see that movie in a theater? And like you just described, audiences laughing and cheering that it was heartwarming and fun. That's exactly what you want. You want the filmmaking experience or the, the film-going experience, that's exactly what you want out of a movie like Seeing Red. I watched it uh, last night with Elizabeth, and uh, I thought it was delightful. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, it was a lot of fun for what it was. It was beautifully done. Did I like it as much as, say, Coco, which I was blown away by? No, because, it you know, it wasn't quite my speed, but I can recognize when they've done a great job. They they did a great job with that film. No, they they really did. I thought it was, I thought it was really, really good. I'm glad you saw it in a theater, too. How much fun was that? Binge versus weekly. <laughs> I love that. Hey, gang, I was thinking about the binging versus the weekly. I vote weekly. It's more communal. It's more fun talking about the show if it's weekly. Watching a binge, yay, it's fun for two days. Then you have to be quiet and wait to talk about it. Also, when was the last time someone brought up Cobra Kai Season 4? That talk lasted about a week. Just, just my opinion here, but I prefer weekly. Well, binge versus weekly, I got to say, you're not wrong. And the Cobra Kai example is spot on. And that's the problem with these shows. Even I got to tell you, even I, you know, I'll get totally into Ozark. Like, I love Ozark. And they split up season four into two seasons. So the first seven episodes of, the, of, of season four aired. And then the, the, the last four episodes, or the, the first seven episodes of season four aired and then we're going to get the last seven episodes of season four. But while I was watching it for like two days, I was completely absorbed by it. Like, oh my God, I can't wait to get. But when it's over, you don't think about it anymore. You take it all in at once. And then it's like out of your, out of your, out of sight, out of mind. So I, you know, I totally agree with you, man. Um, I, I agree. I, I gotta say, I, I used to love, I love to binge. But I want to enjoy it more. I want to marinate on it. You know, and I find that we watch so much stuff now that's in one ear and out the other. And I I forget about what I've seen. A lot of my favorite movies I've watched over and over and over again. So I know them by heart. But I don't like the fact that that I don't I, I don't I don't get to I mean, like you said, weekly, you think about it more, you anticipate it more, it's more of an enjoyable experience. And then if you want to go back and binge it again, you can. So I, I'm with you there. I, th I think weekly's better. I think weekly's better. 
And if nothing else, it gets the conversation going. You can introduce more people to it and kind of bring the crowd along. Like in Rocky Two, when he's running and the kids start following him, by the time he runs up those stairs, he's got hundreds of kids with him. In this way, you can evangelize your favorite shows and then get them get them up. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm there. Disney Plus Update says, hey, John and gang, well, it's happened. All of the Netflix shows are on Disney Plus as of today. I was secretly hoping Logan and Deadpool would be there, but alas, they weren't. My question, will they be, and will they be on there? Thanks for the show, and bring on the filthy. Well, those are obviously two R-rated. I think they're trying to figure out what to do. They're both R-rated Fox shows. Maybe they'll show up, but the graphic violence in both, uh, the level of violence and the body nature of some of the jokes in Deadpool... Mm, even with a parental shield, <laughs> uh, parental controls, I think it might be too much for Disney Plus right now. Right now. So Hulu it probably is until... Uh, it's interesting. We'll see. That's a really, really interesting thing to look out for. I don't know what the answer to that is, but um, very, very interesting. Caleb sends in a tip. Caleb says, Hey John, I've been watching since Disney day in December, 2020. I've watched your channel ever since and was wondering what your favorite TV shows, uh, are, and I have nothing to watch. Have a good day. Well, I don't know. I mean, I know that, you know, John says, John says Yellowstone is one of his favorite shows on TV and it's prequel 1883. So good. I mean, I can say The Expanse, The Boys, if you're not watching those. I really loved Ozark, if you like crime thrillers. Um, what's really great, if you haven't watched it, it's a different kind of a show. It's not our normal bill of fare. But Scott Frank's two miniseries on Netflix, both Godless, which is a Western, and The Queen's Gambit, which is a character study about a very unique chess-playing girl, a chess-playing orphan, and what happens to her. Really, really good. I really enjoyed those. Um and uh yeah so check those out i really like the great i've been watching the great with elizabeth i never thought i would love that and if you like if you like shows like 24 a lot of people haven't seen this show it's kind of hard to find but there's a political thriller about mi5 which is is the way we have the the fbi and the cia the brits have mi5 and mi6 james bond belongs to mi6 but mi5 is the domestic uh, intelligence service like our own FBI there's a great show that I loved and in the UK it was called Spooks and here it was called MI5 and uh, it was actually edited for time in America and they subsequently released them all on uh, disc but you can get if you watch the original BBC versions if you like shows like 24 I loved MI5 I thought it was really really good so Caleb I hope uh, something there strikes you as being something you want to watch. Sam Weiser, Gamgee, says, I finally got to see the new Scream. It was an okay film, but what triggered my brain was the scene where the girl ghost face gets burned on the stove. The actress is Mikey Madison. She's the same actress that gets barbecued in the pool by DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I would like to say to Mikey... Don't get yourself typecast as actress who goes up and fire at the end. <laughs> Thanks, guys, and continue to bring on that filthy. I did not know that, Sam Weiser Gamgee. See, you've now made me wiser. That's hilarious. 
<laughs> the girl. So, well, let me look at your resume. Uh, you get burned up in movies a lot. That's actually kind of cool. Can you imagine, like, you know, you've got your great-grandkids surrounding you. Grandma, tell us about your time in Hollywood. Well, kids, I used to have my face burned up a lot. Or just burned up entirely. I mean, come on. That'd be pretty badass. That's badass, Grandma. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> well, that's crazy. Crazy. Uh, Gino Luke sends in a tip and says, Hey, John and crew, I'm recent to watching your show. I started watching around the time that you did the live video at CinemaCon. I stayed up late and watched it live. I wanted to give a shout out for doing Batman Begins in Movie Club. Well, Gino, first of all, thank you. Uh, I would assume that you live in a, a foreign territory where you had to stay up and watch, watch it live. I didn't get to go to the last CinemaCon with John. Hopefully, I can go to this new CinemaCon that's coming up. I very much want to. CinemaCon is so much fun. I love going there. I love talking to all the people we meet and stuff. It's great. It's so much fun to go to CinemaCon. Uh, big fan of it. And I'm glad you enjoyed the live videos. John, John will be uh, stoked to hear that. He'll be stoked to hear you say that. But it's so much fun. And I'm glad. Welcome welcome to the... Uh, I know you've been watching it now for a couple of years, but welcome to the channel. Uh, Bernie Palafox sends in a tip and says, Big fan. I just wanted to add some interesting facts about Halo. Uh-oh, to stir the pot. I love Halo. Big huge fan. What is Halo? Halo is a weapon created by an ancient race called the Forerunners. If this weapon is activated, it will destroy all life in the galaxy. Um, Bernie, I think I knew that. But yes, uh, and everything kind of comes underneath that. I love that. And I think that's something we all need to remember. I, You know what? Yeah, you heard that Ray and John watched Halo. I mean, come on, where's the love? Where's the love for the Bobster here? But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the show. And I, you know, I played I played the first Halo game because I had a I had the original Xbox, and I really liked it. Like it was a real. Um, I think we we're talking about it today, but it, you know, it really it was. Uh, I think Ray Ray put it best. He was talking about how it was an evolution of the first person shooter. John talked about coming on the heels of things like Quake and Doom, and uh, um, um, even like Resident Evil and things like that. Uh, House of the Dead. Uh, I loved Halo, a sci-fi action shooter. It was dope. I mean, uh, it, a very cool, very cool game. But I haven't followed all the mythology that's developed around it. But I probably should because, you know, the novels and and it sounds like it's my my jam. I just haven't haven't got into it. I got I got I've only played, I played the first game all the way through, and I have not ever returned to it. Not because I didn't like it, just because, uh, I I just play different kinds of games. I mean, I I got so caught up in both Grand Theft Auto and Red Red Dead Redemption. I mean, Grand Theft Auto 5, how, how old is that now? Didn't it come out like 2013, 2014? It's still awesome. I still play Grand Theft Auto 5 all the time. Um, And uh, although it's harder for me to go online because I always get my ass kicked. Uh, Rich at 1138. THX 1138. Hey, John and friends, you are my number one go-to for great, insightful discussion and debate on movies and media. Thank you. I want to watch your doc, Movie Trailers, A Love Story. What's the best way to buy it and best support you? Any other projects on the way? Um, well, John, you can go see Movie Trailers, A Love Story, and I have to give you a shameless plug. Also, my own film, Tango Shalom, that I produced and edited is on they're both on amazon so if you go to amazon and rent the films there i think uh, tango shalom you can download 
And I, th I think you can download movie trailers of Love Story, but that's the best way to support the film. And by the way, I very much appreciate you asking about that. So thank you very much for that. That's very cool. And other projects, I'm always developing projects. The next thing, hopefully we'll get to get to a third season. Also of Dota, Dragon's Blood, the animated series that I was the animatic editor of. We've done two seasons. Hopefully there'll be a third. Um, don't know yet. And uh, yeah. But I don't know what we've got for the channel. we got so many things percolating. It's going to be very cool to see if some of those things pan out. Bernie Palafox comes back and says, Eons ago, the oh, more Halo information. Eons ago, the Forerunners activated Halo to help eradicate the Flood. The Flood, think of them as xenomorphs, but worse. If Forerunners never activated the Ring, then life would have never survived with the Flood consuming all life in the galaxy like a plague of locusts that's going to take everybody out. Uh, Bernie goes on to say, that's just some of the backstory to the Halo lore. The Covenant are a hierarchy of different alien races who think Halo is a sacred object that will grant them divine power. False. You activate Halo GG. It's up to Spartan 117, the Master Chief, to save us all. Well, that's a that's actually a very good definition, Bernie. And first of all, thanks for your insight and thanks for supporting the channel. Very cool. So for those of you people who are not familiar with Halo lore, that's good to know. It's going to be interesting to see how the um, series delves into all of that. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Rich at 1138 says, hey, guys, I know you've discussed Jordan Peele's new film, Nope, several times. And the trailer has me interested for sure. What do you think about the theory floating around that Nope stands for not of planet earth <laughs> you know what wow like ce3k i honestly had not heard that before ce3k close encounters of the third kind not of planet earth tipping the hat it's about aliens well i think after watching that trailer it seems like it's about aliens it seems like it is but i love that not of planet earth Yes, indeed. Um, I love. I can't wait. Um, I think that's a great theory. You know what? You've just made that part of my head cannon. Uh, Film Crazy sends in a tip and says, "Hey, John Campia crew, big fan from the UK since AMC. I loved your episode of the Movie Club with Django Unchained. Would you do an episode for Inglorious Bastards and maybe Blade Runner twenty forty nine? Don't worry about the latter if not." Anyway, have a great day. Well, first of all, Film Crazy, thank you so much for, for listening or watching to Movie Club. Uh, we have such a good time doing it, and I'm so glad you enjoyed our choice of Django. Look, I know that, I don't know about Blade Runner. I know John isn't the biggest Blade Runner fan, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, hopefully if people keep listening and we uh, keep we keep doing them, it's, it's so much fun. Again, it really depends on, will, will do people watch the show and are they digging it? We've got a lot of people that love it. But hopefully the view the viewers will go up. I mean, obviously, Django had less viewers than we would have hoped. It's interesting to see which movies people like and which movies attract viewers. Um, you never know. I mean, I'm I'm pulling. You know, I told John I go next week, March 24th, is actually the actual 50th anniversary of the release of The Godfather, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. But it is 50 years old. So how many people would tune in to hear us talk on Movie Club about Godfather? does anything more need to be said but you never know but i want to thank you uh i would love to do blade runner and blade runner 2049 as a double bill but john's not a big fan of blade runner but still uh 
Uh, but it is kind of a cult movie. But I really appreciate those suggestions. Um, I'd love to do Inglorious Bastards, but I think we're trying to mix it up a bit. So even though we've done Batman Begins the Dark Knight, but that was special circumstances, doing two Christopher Nolan movies because the Batman came out. Um, but yeah, man, I'm glad you dig it. I'm glad you dig it. And that was film crazy all the way from the UK. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kind souls, gentle beings, however you identify across these, the 28 known galaxies, if you're a fan of Superman the movie, they say there's 28 known galaxies. I mean, there's a lot more unknown galaxies, but this brings an end to this episode of Mailbag. Remember, you can send us tips all day long, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I think the link is in the description. If you ever want to ask us questions, we do Mailbag three times a week. And either I'll do it solo, John will do it solo, or we'll do it together. And whatever you want to ask us, you can of course, if you want to participate live and have your question live on the air, you can do that in the mornings at the beginning before we go live on the John Campy Show every morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time now. I'm, of course, Robert Meyer Burnett. You can find me here on the channel. You can follow me on Instagram at rmburnett. Find me on Twitter at burnettrm. Or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work. I want to thank you for participating. Thank you for generously supporting the channel. And thanks for watching me. Because, hey, I have a lot of fun doing this. And as John always says, bye bye <laughs>